1: Hello, and welcome to Ask Andrew, or possibly today, Andrew Asks, because today, as you may become accustomed to by now, and welcome everybody to this pod- podcast, we have a special guest. Heidi White is in town. Hello, Heidi.
2: Hey there, Andrew.
1: Good to have you with us. Thanks. I'm
2: excited about your questions.
1: Well, now, so it's technically, it's called Ask Andrew, right? Uh-huh. So I got to ask you, do you this isn't, this is a an interruption to the sequence on assessment. So I got to ask you, what's your question?
2: Tell me about assessment, Andrew.
1: No, you'll have to listen to those podcasts (laughs) if you want to hear about assessment. So what brings you to town?
2: Oh, my husband has a meeting out here in Charlotte. It's actually in South Carolina in Fort Mill. And so I invited myself to come along so I could Ah. come see some of my favorite people.
1: Who? David?
2: Yeah. I do like David actually. David, yes. right, yeah. yeah. He's pretty great. I like you too. Yeah. Oh, I thanks, love Karen. Thanks. Yes. I know I'm just... in that
1: second tier. I get that.
2: Well, I mean, Karen's special. She is special. So, yeah. So,
1: so, um, you, you just spoke at a Kindred West conference.
2: Yes. Last week. It was fantastic. That's I, what Karen said. Oh, I had the best time. Just some amazing She said women. you also gave the best talk. I'm sure she did not Ever. say that because In the there whole was history such of the world. other the whole history of the world, well, I mean, yeah, probably
1: actually, she was very high on your talk, and so I want to ask you what you talked about.
2: I talked about glory and home, and that that is the destiny of every believer, including the homeschooling mom for whom glory and home feel very separated most of the time.
1: they feel separated, yeah. I Why? think that
2: that's generally true because it doesn't feel like glory a lot of the time to be at home.
1: Whereas in the battlefield, for example, as you're marching into mm-hmm. the cannons, that feels like glory?
2: Perhaps it does. If you're going by the Iliad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I suppose glory doesn't often feel like glory, does it?
2: No, I don't think it does. But someday it will. So that was that was the essence of my talk. Someday it will.
1: Huh. I like that. Mm-hmm. And then and then before we came in here, we were talking about um, something that had to do with l- teaching and parents and sc- school teachers right. and their materials, and it was related to glory. What was that we were talking about?
2: We'd, love of learning? Yes, that's what we were talking about. And uh, whether or not you must love what you're teaching in order to teach it effectively.
1: What did you come up with?
2: Well, I think that the love of the subject that we are teaching is less important than love of learning in general, but I do think it's really important for us to communicate to our students that we love God and his creation in every form.
1: that's a lot. Mm-hmm. So you talked about loving subject, loving learning in general and loving God and his creation and also communicating love of God and his creation to the students. Yeah. And you even use the phrase in every form. So I want to I want to I want to challenge you on some of this. Yeah, please. Did you happen to read my blog today? No. That really hurts my feelings. I'm
2: so sorry, Andrew. I was talking to you today, so I didn't have a (sighs) chance. No, that's
1: not the (laughs) same. If you don't read my blog, it hurts my feelings. So in my blog today, I wrote about conversation. Okay. I was reading a, a passage in a book by Jacques Barzun. The book was called The House of Intellect. The chapter was called Conversation, Manners, and I Think Civilization. Conversation, Manners, and something else. And in it, he, he describes the need for conversation, and he talks about how one of the functions of conversation is how it, it's a guardian of the intellect, by mm-hmm. which he means the ability to understand, mm-hmm. right? If we can't have a, a conversation, then we can't think well. We can't right. come to understand that, that, that conversation is how we get there. Right. And he, he makes a clear distinction between conversation that is exchange and conversation, oh, what was the word? Sifting. Uh-huh. sifting okay. conversation that is exchanges. Hey Heidi, how's it going?
2: Right. Doing great. How about you, Andrew? We
1: exchange, right. but neither of us goes anywhere with anything new. Right. But if I said to you, Hey Heidi, how's it going? And then you started to challenge whether I should say that. <laughs> It'd be rude. How can you go? But, no. but, but in a, but in a, um, in a, in a, a more uh, intellectual sense, I guess, although I, I don't like the implications of how we use that word nowadays, but in a in a real conversation, it wouldn't be just, I make a point and then you're waiting to get your point made and then I'm waiting to get my point made, but I would say something and you would challenge it. Right. Not because you're trying to humiliate me. Right. But be- partly because you're trying to understand me
0: mm-hmm.
1: and by challenging, you come to understand and partly because you're trying to see, do you agree? Right. And partly you're trying to see whether you should agree. And that would imply either I might be wrong in some way sure. about some detail or you might be wrong in some way about some detail. And that is conversation,
0: hmm.
1: right? So that's what we should have, right? a conversation. Not because I think you're necessarily wrong about anything, sure. but I don't understand what you're talking about. right? Not beyond a certain shallow... If we want to have an exchange, I can just say, okay, right, that makes sense. Yeah, that's sure. really good, Heidi. We should love our subjects but but it's less important to love our subjects than, than we should love learning in general that's really good yeah good thanks heidi right and we've had an exchange mm-hmm. but i don't know what you mean mm-hmm. because the way i the way i hear it the way it comes into my mind those right. words when they enter my mind i hear love of subject as being as being um well as being less important than learning in general but to me learning in general is this abstraction where you're not learning particularly about anything. Huh. You're learning abstractly this thing called learning, mm-hmm. but not all learning is good. Right. Right? We're supposed to be babes and evil for example. So why would learning in general be more important than learning or loving, sorry. Sure. Loving learning in general, why would that be more important than loving a subject? And the other thing you probably know about me is that I don't get terribly excited about subjects. Right. So, I mean, depending, of course, on what a subject is. Right. Right. So, in other words, I'm I'm reacting not the way sure. you intended it, I think, but the way I do react, which is that that all seems kind of abstract to me mm-hmm. and, and not in the positive.
2: Sure. It is sense. abstract. You're absolutely right about that, which is, to your point that you just made, where a conversation gets going. Uh-huh. Right. As Aristotle says, we define our terms. Yeah. So we if we're talking about a subject, what do we mean by that? What do we mean by learning in general? And what do we mean by loving something or even teaching something? Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good. What do you? <laughs> Which of those do you want to explore? Because there's teaching something, loving something, and then what a subject is and what learning in general is. So maybe subject is the easiest yes, one to access. I agree. Mm -hmm. Because it's the most concrete. So when I hear subject,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: my mind goes in two directions. Right. One is every single thought Mm -hmm. has a subject. Sure. By definition. Right. Okay. So loving a subject means you love what you're thinking about. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sometimes. But then there's Winky.
2: Right. (laughs) I don't know what you mean by that. (laughs) Define that term,
1: please. (laughs) Winky, that's a dog. Um,
2: You are a dog. Oh, yeah. You don't love Winky.
1: Nope. Yeah. It's a sin, but... I'm trying, but um, I don't. But then, but then um, the other use of subject is this arbitrary category of, of thing that we impose on students. Right. Which is, in my opinion, a mistake. We shouldn't teach kids subjects. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a substitute for meaningful things like the arts and the sciences. Right. Okay. So when we talk, what do you mean when you use the word subject?
2: I do mean it in the school sense of the term. And I happen to agree with you completely about – I've heard you talk before about subjects being the wrong way to teach. And I completely agree with that. But then because I am a homeschool mom and a classroom teacher, I also know that when I get up in the morning and after we have our breakfast, the next thing we do is math.
1: Mm -hmm. Right? Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: The art of math, yes.
2: Yes, exactly. The art of math. So when I say loving a subject, I, I do mean it in that very specific sense of, do I have to love teaching my third grader how to multiply hmm. in order to be effective at teaching that?
1: And what do you think?
2: I think No. Because I think that I can love the idea of the order in the universe that is communicated to my child through teaching her that, even though I don't necessarily love 3 times 7 is 21. What? So, or love teaching that to my third grader. I might not enjoy the process of teaching her to memorize her multiplication table, which I happen to not really enjoy that, although I know other moms do. However... I do love in my soul that three times seven is 21 because it's part of the order of the universe, right? So I can communicate that to my daughter, whereas I don't have to necessarily just love the process of committing that to memory with my ornery eight-year-old.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. None of us love being opposed. right. And to be in the act of teaching is to be opposed. Right. And sometimes it
2: doesn't feel like harmony or glory. Right. Uh, And we can be honest about the fact that we don't love that, that, oh, she doesn't know her phonograms again. Oh, I'm struggling with teaching this. You keep telling me you don't like Shakespeare. All of those things. Who said that? I know, right? I I have the same reaction. So, yeah. So we don't always love... Teaching our kids multiplication tables, but we can love the order of the nature of God behind that.
1: What do you think? It what do you think it is that makes us not love things?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I would say it is the disharmony we feel from it, the discord. I mean, you and I have talked about this before that. It can feel more like drudgery than glory, to keep doing the same thing over and over again right? without seeing the fruit of it in that yes. moment. that's yes. That is discord to us, or it feels like it. So that's where you can get that guilt of, I keep doing this and I don't love it. What's wrong <laughs> with me? Yeah. I know I should.
1: Yeah, but I wonder if sometimes we're not being too hard on ourselves. I agree because because I don't think we are supposed to love in in the sense of being pleased with or hmm. feeling good about I don't think we are supposed to love th- that that labor it's part of the curse I mean we hmm. we accept it we embrace it we the sweat of the brow right that and and, and childbirth we're not supposed to love those things for themselves I don't right. think we're we, we accept them and and thank god or what they achieve in us but their punishment not in the sense of a is being punished by b but in the sense of they're part of the the curse that we live under yeah i absolutely agree with that tell me what do you what do you think of this as a as a way to reflect on things that we love and don't love i'm convinced well let me ask this question as a starting point i think you agree with this but i want to make sure mm mm-hmm. Because if you don't, then it might be a whole topic for discussion. Right.
2: More conversation.
1: Do you, do you agree with my th- thesis that we, that we always love truth when we perceive it with our soul? Yes. The, the qualifier being that sometimes that truth exposes us as not being what we want to be. Yes. And so that's a truth we don't like. Sure. But, but what we don't like then, ironically, is that we're not capable of seeing truth better.
0: Right. Yes.
1: But by nature, by creation, we love truth. Absolutely. Okay. Would you agree then that we don't necessarily love, oh, how to put this? Okay. I'll go to Adam and the animals. Okay. By nature, we love the thing itself. Yes. Like, you know, the animal, mm-hmm. unfallen animals. <laughs> 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 not not actual not living winky. dogs, but yeah. Not Winky, but 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 Winky as she was created to be, <laughs> right? We we love we love the real thing, okay. But we don't necessarily love the name, huh? And and we don't necessarily love a, a list of names,
2: okay. Can you explain that a little further? A little, yeah.
1: So okay, so Adam he meets the animals. He's supposed to name the animals right and my imagination always has him wrestling right he he starts to he puts his head in the lion's mouth and pulls mm-hmm. it out again he he knocks the lion down into the river because he's a boy, so he you know wrestles with it he He rides the lion he 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 knows the lion in different situations the lion itself, mm-hmm. right he sees the lion's majesty, and this is an unfallen lion right right. So he's experiencing lion-ness right. in its full glory. Well, in its glory as he can perceive it and enjoy it as lionness. Mm. Okay. Then he gives it a name. A better name than lion, but let's just say Leo. Okay. So he calls it, he speaks Latin, so he calls it Leo. All right. All right. Then, then he realizes, huh, I like lions, but they're really not a suitable partner for me. Okay. So then the lord brings him a suitable partner. Okay? Then he since he turns to Eve and he says, "See all those lions out there?" This is what I I mean, see all those animals out there? This is what I named them. And he gives her a list of names. Okay, I've always wondered hmm. what how does Eve react to this list of names? I mean, hmm. t- there there's the comic. You could do a, you know, an old kind of Bill Cosby comedy routine where where she's now correcting all the names and stuff, kind of, kind of like that Noah thing he does. But, but, but even, even even on Fallen, well, I mean, the names would be so wonderful. But, but given, given just reality and everybody just abandoning reality while we think about this, could she possibly have enjoyed just seeing a list of the names as much as he enjoyed seeing the actual animals?
2: I would say no because she didn't participate in the work
1: hmm or play
2: right which or was play, the same thing which were the same then it was an unfallen world
1: right. right right so so the distinction I make then is between names and things right truth is the thing mm-hmm. um, names tr- truth is the animal, the nature of the animal the name is the is the convention given. You know, the, the agreement, we come to an agreement about what we're going to call things and how we're going to identify things. Here's the problem with school. In order for us to think really deep thoughts, for us to think historical thoughts, for us to converse with the dead, in order for us to to, to participate in, a, in the great conversation, we have to learn language. Right. And we have to learn how to read. Yes. We have to learn how to write. We have to learn how to calculate, okay? We have to learn how to, we have to learn arts, okay? And arts are made up of of names for things. Yes. And now it's hard to memorize all the names of the animals, but once you've memorized their names, you can call them when you want to play with them, right? And that's how thought is. When we have a name for something, it's hard to learn the name. But once we know the name... It's ours, so to speak, and think of conventions and grammar. Okay, the, the the comma. Okay, how to use a comma? Right. Okay, the comma means something. It it indicates a relation between phrases or clauses. It it actually has a meaning. So it's drawn from nature, from a, from an animal, you could say, but it's a name attached to an animal. It's it's something we agreed on as English speakers that we're going to use that little curve mark there that indicates this kind of relation. But kids, they don't learn that. They don't think to themselves, oh, this is cool, this is a way of indicating this relation. They just have to learn the rule, as we call it, right? But it's not a rule like a law that if you break it, you get punished, although some teachers do that. It's a rule in the sense that there's a principle here, a reality that is embodied in the mark of a comma. A semicolon means something about relationships. A period indicates a kind of relationship between clauses. paragraph mark right break these are all conventions they're just stuff names as it were by analogy names for animals conventions that we've come up with to indicate truths realities okay the realities are interesting the conventions are the work we have to do exactly so how do we love the conventions
2: right i i love that Because this goes to something I'm extremely passionate about, which is that in order to love the conventions, in order to love teaching our children about commas and seven times three, we must have a vision for the greater reality, for the thing itself,
1: Hmm. which
2: goes to an earlier Hmm. conversation that you and I had about the word practical, right? Whether or not... um the theory of a thing is practical versus the practice of teaching Uh seven uh times three. uh Right. So a lot of times classical educators, educators in general, mothers, we try to go past the thing itself and we ask people to just teach us how to teach it. Just show me how to teach my kid about commas. Mm -hmm. Tell me how to get them to memorize the uh, multiplication table. And I think at that point we're asking the wrong question because we have bypassed then, as you said before, the lionness of the thing and just given the name.
1: Hmm. Yeah. And and a lot of times what happens is as kids, we don't learn to stay with the comma. We don't learn that it's an indicator of a relation. Right. And we don't learn to enjoy and delight in that relation and therefore see the value of the indicator. Right. And then as adults, we haven't learned that. So then what we pass on to our kids is just the textbook rule. Mm -hmm. And you can't. and, And so the practical question then becomes, how can I effectively teach this child this thing that means nothing to me? Exactly. But the real practical question is, why is that comma there? Right,
2: right. Which goes back then to full circle to the beginning of the conversation, which is it's less important that you love teaching your kids seven times three or what a semicolon is. And more important that you love the order of the universe reflected in mathematics and arithmetic and geometry and music mm. and astronomy mm. to, to go to your mm. point about the liberal arts. That is what we as educators need to get to is the connection between the comma and grammar and the harmony of the world. And creation as God made it.
1: Yeah, the beauty of it, the harmony of it—that's good, right? Because you used the word earlier of discord. You, you talk. When I asked, "What do you think leads us to not loving?" and you, you used the word discord. I thought that was quite good, because the two two different ways discord is manifested in in things that we don't love. One is one is in not knowing. Mm-hmm. If we don't know something, we don't love it, and the other is in in frustration, right? It overpowers us, or it scares us, or you know, it, it reveals us to be limited. But when the discord is resolved into a harmony,
0: mm-hmm. that's a delight. Yes,
1: and and the comma in that sense, even the comma, even the lowly comma, does give a delight when what it's indicating becomes clear—not just to our mind, but to our soul. Yes, when we feel—I don't even know how to put it—when we intuit, right, what it's there for.
2: Well, when we make the connection between that little mark on a piece of paper and the beauty of language that reflects the character of God and the harmony of his creation, when we...
1: And the harmony of thought, yes. which is so, so important. Yes. To be able to think a coherent thought is a great blessing.
2: It is. And to be able to communicate that effectively by marks on a paper is remarkable. It's remarkable unbelievable. That we can unbelievable. do that as humans. And that is what... As classical educators, the burden is on us as the educators to discover that wonder yeah. and delight. Yeah. And and then we can start talking about how do we do that daily mm-hmm. after breakfast or mm-hmm. in the classroom after the pledge of allegiance. Mm-hmm. But we don't start with that. We start mm-hmm. with the delight
1: or or at least with the faith and hope of, yes. of the delight it's, yes it's it's strange. how many the times pursuit. how many how many times have you looked at a seed and and not been blown away by the fact that it's revealing to you the kingdom of heaven absolutely
2: and uh, and the inverse of that today i was walking around neighborhoods in beautiful north carolina where it's green i'm coming from really? where were you? dry colorado uh, and south South Charlotte, oh, down in the beautiful part. Yes, yeah. beautiful. Just walk around these. I saw this oak tree that, like, literally looked like it touched the roof of heaven, mm-hmm. and I started thinking that came from this seed. Mm-hmm. Like, that's.
1: The acorn. world is full of and, magic, and when that, and when that acorn was a little thing, when a mustard seed is sitting in the palm of your hand, it's revealing the kingdom of heaven. Yes, just as a comma sitting mm-hmm. in on a piece of paper is revealing something that's hidden and only available to those who by faith wait for it. Right. So we have to we have to be willing to teach the conventions so that they can see the truths. They right. have to teach the names so that they can get to know the lions. Right. I hate to say this but we're overtime.
2: I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, We always struggle to fill yeah. up the time.
1: Well, it's okay because we've already figured out what teaching is, what love is, what a subject is, what learning in general is, and how important communicating the love of God is. So all the world's problems have been resolved in the last 25 minutes. Perfect. <laughs> well, Heidi, thank you. I hope we get to do this again sometime. Uh, I
2: hope so, too. Thank you for allowing me to have this conversation.
1: It's my pleasure. And and, and to the audience, I want to thank you for listening. And one of the things I like doing is when when people come and visit to when friends are here for conversation to have a con- I use the, I, I use the ask Andrew for an excuse to keep talking with people like Heidi. So thanks for listening in on us, and may the Lord remember you in His kingdom.